right. Well, uh, welcome to episode six of the Angry Wargamer podcast. Um, I'm Jason, the Angry Wargamer. Today we've got Orlando and Drew. How's it going? What's up? All right. So we kind of skipped out last time because uh, Lando wasn't here last time. So what have you been up to since the last time we recorded? Mostly trying to survive. <laughs> uh, there were some uh, less than favorable circumstances that led me to bail out last Saturday. Oh, that's fine. And then, and then this week, I um, I smashed my hand with a with a transmission when the chain broke that carried it at work. So that was fun. Ouch! Well, that sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my hand is mostly fine. Only just one finger is currently bruised. So that's better than having either an entirely broken hand. That is very fair. So I'll call it lucky. All right, all right. Well, we got some big things to talk about. A lot of things uh, between last week and this week that happened as far as, like, release updates, Um for a whole bunch of games, actually. Uh, PS5 got announced with the release date. Um, that new Hogwarts game got announced. 3D All-Stars actually came out. We have the MTG release. Is it this weekend or next weekend? The pre-release was this weekend. Uh, next weekend is the, the official release. Yeah, it looks like, what, they're going back to Zendikar? Yep, Zendikar Rising. We're going back there because why... Because at the moment, they're not really tapping into new horizons. They're just kind of revisiting the old shit to see what's happening. So this will be, what, the third time they release those uh, full art lands? <clears throat> Effectively. Jesus. If they start I, doing that, I'm going to hope that they uh, start releasing, re-releasing like, the really old sets, like the ones from 95. They released, what, they re-released Force of Will in one of the master sets, didn't they? Uh, they've released Force of Will in several master sets now. I think they got two different printings of it, and then there's um, so uh, I think it was Eternal Masters, um, uh, Double Masters, which was the most recent one. Which funny, funny thing on that one. Why the hell we ha- they they had to do that when they said they were never doing another master set is well beyond my thought process. Yeah, I kind of stopped following the whole MTG thing. Why? Just think of the slightest reason, and it be it, it makes all the more sense. Also true. Um, let me see. Where, where do you want to start with the PS5 and Hogwarts, <laughs> and then we'll move into MTG? Yeah, definitely. Oh wait, hold on. Before we do, uh, did you guys already talk about the announcement of Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity? No, and I forgot about that one too. Good one. Okay, fair enough. Maybe we could talk about that after all that. Go ahead, start it off. Bro, no, 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 no. Right now? All right. So, Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity. The one thing I wasn't expecting a new, another Warriors game, especially when we got the interview talk, some, talking about how supposedly. They weren't going to make a sequel. Well, apparently so. Yeah, I thought it was kind of weird too when I heard about it, but I was like, did they really just give it like an expansion to the universe of the Hyrule Warriors? Because 
I thought those games were pretty like clean cut. It is. And it's even crazier is that it's a fully canon game. This actually takes the setting takes place during the 100 years before before the events of Breath of the Wild. Oh, so it's actually going to give some story before Breath of the Wild to kind of hype for the new expansion that's coming or the new game, I should say. Indeed. That is actually fantastic. We also know what it means. This is also going to be a very dreary experience because we all know what happens at Breath of the Wild. Everyone dies. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, people don't actually die. Don't think it just like transformed into whatever the guardians are made out of because that's what happens to ganon right ganon turns into like some like sort like he gets locked into some swirling mystic thing no his malice fuses with the guardian's armor but that's because he's literally possessing it yeah everybody that the guardians attacked they killed Nice. I might actually, I might actually get this Hyrule Warriors. I didn't get the first one because I got um, Fire Emblem Warriors. Yeah. If you basically played one Warriors game, you have just about played it all. I don't blame you there. Yeah. I mean, I really, I actually was gonna uh, return Fire Emblem Warriors to pick up Hyrule Warriors because I just like the more of like the Nintendo, like. I don't know. What am I looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? The, the more Nintendo brand, the style. I don't. Yeah, know. I mean, Fire Emblem is a Nintendo brand, but like the more cartoony brand, I think I should say, because like if they made like a Mario Brothers Warriors, I'd totally buy that. Oh my god, that shit would be crazy. Yeah, well. Hey, we were really bad with uh, Mario Maker Two when we first started this, so uh, maybe this will actually happen too. <laughs> I'm predicting it here right now. What's today's date? We forgot to go. Today's Saturday, the 19th, September 19th. 2020. What are you predicting? The Mario Brothers Warriors. They're going to do it. I know they're going to do it. This is what I'm saying. (laughs) Okay, fine. But not before. No, but, but not before a Mega Man style Warriors. Oh man, that would actually. I be have cool. been. I, I have been. Uh, see, what makes Hyrule Warriors so special for me was that back in high school, when I was obsessed with the Warriors franchise, I was brainstorming both a Zelda and a Mega Man Warrior style game. So I'm putting it here on the line. September 19, 2020, there will be a Mega Man Warriors game by the end of the decade. Ooh, nice. Honestly, um, was it? I'm actually shocked. The Warriors franchise made such a smooth transition into like the Nintendo franchises because they were originally what a PS, a PlayStation exclusive, weren't they? Yes, they were until Dynasty Warriors three, where they also branched out to the Xbox. But those were relatively rare, and then. They kind of hit to all consoles by the Xbox 360 PS3 era. Yeah, there's very few, I want to say, like exclusives now. Like you have like the major titles as some of the major, major titles as exclusives. 
but you don't really a lot of them now are like cross-platform and now that the switch has like mega third-party like support oh man let's hope that their main series games actually become worth a damn but uh we're not going back into that because i've already overstated that as is (laughs) yeah anyway so what two months from what the last time we recorded right two months from the last time we recorded the playstation 5 is being released in two different forms a 499 version and a 399 version the 399 version is just digital the 499 version comes with the disc but as drew pointed out earlier this week it's not fully backwards compatible like they said they were going to be yeah you end up having a situation where it's much easier for me to rationalize getting the digital version which i'm assuming that was the reason why they did it that way by adding the disk drive and tacking on an extra hundred dollars for it now i don't know what the going rate for a disk drive would be for that particular situation because what i think it's a blu-ray player a blu-ray disc player so i i mean if you still have your ps4 you likely already still have a blu-ray player so you aren't missing much at this point honestly i i'm kind of burned out at this point i don't know if it's an age thing or if i'm just so sick and tired of the same song and dance being tap danced for us by the industry i just don't have it in me to really give a shit at this point uh, they, they haven't put out anything that's wowed me in any meaningful capacity the new horizon game looks cool i don't care the other stuff that they that they put out on there i don't really care there's again you're talking to someone who even and i said this way way back in the day on the podcast is like i literally just bought ps4 just for the kingdom hearts game and as if i if i'm going to be compelled in any capacity to go into the ps5 it, there better be a damn good reason for me to do so and considering the ps4 didn't have any cross cross play with other platforms even though they had the same games across pc xbox and the ps4 I'm not really going to make any effort to try and uh, jump in with both feet at this point. There's no point, and I've always stated this, being an early adopter on a platform is absolutely a shit show because you get to inherit all of the bugs and issues and day one patches and updates that you're going to have to go through to get that thing to be halfway functional. So I remember Xbox, uh, the 360, had the Red Ring of Death issues like basically right at release and it took them about a year before new models were coming out that didn't have that issue. It's like you're relying on your you're relying on your early adopters to propel the platform forward enough where you can put out a fully functional system for everyone to be able to enjoy. And if you're going to gonna be do fair, that your early what's up? To be fair though, the Switch I bought at release and I still have my original Switch with no issues i just started getting drifting issues on my joy cons but that's a known issue and it's literally just a cleaning issue my joy cons still work i just had to clean them i actually went in and and actually sent my uh, joy cons into nintendo and got them replaced but now that i know the trick to actually getting them fixed and cleaned because i actually have the solution the uh liquid solution you need to clean it um i found i found uh, there's like three or four tutorials online on how to clean them so they stop doing that. Now, the problem I have is is I have two pro controllers as well, and I need to test them to see if uh, they have drift because I got them used. So if they don't, I'll be happy. If they do, I'm going to be really pissed off. 
Yeah, my dumbass bought used PlayStation 4 controllers and I went to go play mine. I've never like I never I only bought it just in case I went through like a like a long gaming session and it happened because I forgot to put my controller back on the dock and it immediately the second I took it off, my character just started spinning on the screen and I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, who knows? Maybe you guys got like a really, really shit unlucky. A buddy of mine at work bought an Xbox One controller not even a couple days ago. And while he was playing... Wait, what was it? He bought a, It was a brand new Xbox One controller. And it broke within three days. Oof. That's no good. And he paid full price. Yeah, man. That was, that was a terrible shit show. Do you, that's the buyer beware aspect of buying anything used. And in a lot of cases, oh, it's one of, the reasons, one of the reasons why oh, he bought well, brand new. He, he bought oh, it new okay. and not used. That was the shit show of shit shows. Damn, that's even worse. Well, yeah. you do know that there, you do know that there's actual plans built into those. Like you can register when you register your when you get a new item, and you register it with a the company. They give you, I think, like a certain limited amount of time where you can get any any uh repairs or missing pieces replaced for free or for a very small fee like delivery charges you can like everything that i own in my kitchen like if i bought it bought it recently as long as i've registered the item online i could probably go on the on that website and if there was any issues talk to a, a repair person or obviously a help desk person and get it fixed now i don't i assume it works the same way with video games because i've did that when i when my gamecube I my GameCube miraculously got destroyed because that thing could survive a war. Nintendo is notorious for having the best customer service when it comes to consoles. Like I can't tell you how many times like I've had to have either something replaced or call them and try to figure out what's wrong with something. Like the issue when the Switch first came out with the Joy-Con where you couldn't be uh, inside of or outside of what I think like fifteen feet of the console. Um, I found out from Nintendo themselves when I called them and it took me five minutes, got through, talked to somebody from Nintendo America and they were like, yeah, this is a known issue. Um, we're waiting on software updates. And then within like what, I think it was like four months, they finally updated the software. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Nintendo is notorious for taking care, but a lot of, a lot of electronics are, you get the one year warranty. So every time like GameStop tries to sell you on stuff, I always tell them no, because half the time I don't need it. And then when I do need it, like it's usually something serious or there's something that's been recalled. So then I just contact the company and they usually take care of it for me. See, the thing for me was, is that GameStop having that whole uh, protection plan, like every company has that now. And I, very much wanted i would very much want to like look up on youtube if there's anybody who's actually like exercised those in any capacity not like not like intentionally broke something but like they actually got it and maybe they live in a household with a lot of little kids where stuff can go wrong or maybe there was a defect because i would i would really like to see how how uh it, how extensive those that coverage ends up being because like when GameStop had it, it was a uh, it, it kind of felt like a holdover from when Funko Land had that program, and Funko Land had that program because they actually had a tech that would visit their store periodically and pick up products to get them fixed. Like you didn't have to deal with anything 
on your end or do any mailing or anything. So I don't know if maybe that's the same scenario anymore. Well, especially with GameStop and the situation it's in now. So I've used it on stuff I've bought from Office Max before, and I've used it on power tools from Home Depot, like something. One was like an office chair. I was like, yeah, throw the $3 thing on the office chair, like, ha, 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 like whatever. And I I ended up breaking the office chair, and they just sent me a whole new one. And then the second one was the tool. And that's literally, it was just a replacement thing. I brought brought the tool back to Home Depot, contacted them. They just literally gave me a new one. Nice. Very nice. So, yeah, I mean, some, some of them work like that, but I've never, ever used GameStops. I always thought it was ridiculous because it's like I'm not throwing my CDs across the room like Frisbees, so my shit should never be scratched. Um, I don't jostle my console while something's in it and running so i don't have to worry about the laser burning anything into it like it's just it's stupid like if you take care of your stuff there's no reason to get anything on a video game now mind you i can see it being on the old 3ds cartridges because i knew there were issues with that but everything's on a cd now nothing really has a cartridge well i take that back switch but I buy most of my stuff digital on the switch anyway yeah you and me both but that that's only because the majority of the stuff that I buy on the Switch is a lot of discounted indie games that don't have physical copies anyways. I want to say that my saturation level as far as gaming's concerned for the Switch is like a like a 70-30 split between physical uh AAA physical slash triple A titles and budget indie titles that pop up on my uh pop up in my uh uh eShop because <clears throat> trust me that my, my game system is rapidly becoming a fight a beat 'em up game system. Because I just keep finding more cool indie beat em ups. Did you hear about the scam with the eShop and the indie? Yes. Oh, by the way, did you guys? What are they doing? So, what they do is they release the title, then they throw it on a discount. So, it shows up in the deal section for like under a dollar. They'll do like a 99 cent or like 10 cent game. So, what happens is you get a bunch of people that buy them, then they show on the best seller list at full price. So, they. Jeez. They boost their sales at release to sell more later. So it for like they've figured out the algorithm the Nintendo uses for their best sellers list. They sell it at a loss for a little while, and then when their sales are up, then they go to full price. <laughs> well, aren't these which, a bunch of which take which takes about like supposedly takes about ten to twenty minutes for it to happen. Holy shit! That is yeah, I mean, there's, there's literally people out there that go to the eShop every day. Like, I'll do it every once in a while and check games under five bucks and be like, oh, this looks interesting, and I'll pick it up. Hey, do you remember the uh, the game Gunman Clive? Yes. I own the collection. Fun fact, that company ended up making a uh, Streets of Rage-style beat-em-up with the same kind of art style recently, and it's like three bucks. You but don't remember the actual title, do you? Because when they... When- when Gunman Clive was made, it was only one guy. Only one person made that game. So if you're telling me that's an actual company, that's pretty damn awesome. Well, I mean, technically, that even if it's one person, it's still a company. Who was... Um, what game company just kind of went under because the whole staff just up and walked out? That one's new to me. If you got information on that one, by all means, I'm yeah, interested. Man, man. It's I all over no like idea. the Me Too stuff. It was... Shoot. It was a it was a kind of a bigger name indie company, and they had worked on previous project. They left 
a big developer and started their own company. And then that company got transferred to one guy for some, some reason. Oh, and the guy basically like yeah. took over and the whole it's, staff walked out. It's the skull girls developer. You're yes. About, right? That's who it is. Skull girls. Yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. They, they were bought by Konami and then they were trying to, make they were trying to make themselves their own again and <laughs> apparently the founder of the company was accused of sexual assault and when he admitted it his entire staff walked right out the fucking door yeah so what happened he was accused and then his whole like things kept happening and then his whole staff came out and said he was creating like some sort of like hostile work environment and then all got up and left God. and this was after um sonic fox vouched for the dude <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious yeah so that was pretty funny um, he probably vouched for him just because they gave him a cameo in um in skull girls well supposedly sonic fox had talked to the dude and like they were on like good speaking terms so Sonic Fox was just vouching for his like personality, but I guess they didn't know each other, I guess, too long. Cause he's he was huge in there, like in the building of that game, basically. Well, not building, but playing the building of the community around that game. I don't know. Um, all right, let's go back to the PS4 here. Uh what am I reading? PS5. So I guess Xbox is doing two levels of their Xbox system. Like that's the new thing right now. And they have a Series S and an X. And the Series S is $100 cheaper than the PlayStation 5, the digital edition. Oh, so they're doing $299. Damn. Yeah, so I have a feeling Xbox is going to turn into like the big system because that'll be the cheapest one to pick up. Um, I don't know. I mean, if there's anything that we can learn from the 90s, it's that even if your, even if your console is more powerful, if... A, a less expensive console will generally be the deciding factor on what the customers will buy. Well, up until, up until the, the Dreamcast. Up until the last Xbox like release, not the not the one was it the one X I want to say. Up until that one, PlayStation had the more powerful console, and then Xbox kept talking about their the Scorpion. Uh, edition or scorpion version or whatever it was and then they released the series 1x which totally overtook like power and everything from the playstation so xbox currently as of right now has the better functioning system than the playstation they just don't have a player base that's all but they kind of do because don't they have cross-platform play with pc as well they do. Yeah, but that's kind of not really fair because it's the same. It's basically the same thing. It's like they're basically on the same team here. They are. That was the entire point. Microsoft had said a long time ago that they weren't sure they were going to be continuing on in the console industry because the architecture was getting so similar to PC that it would just be simpler to just put all their shit out on PC. But because people were still there, people who don't have any interest in jumping into PC gaming at all, because there's a lot of legwork that they feel they need to do, whereas it's just easier to plug a system in and put a disc in and play a game that way. But what they have, I believe there's a program attached to it. I don't remember the name of the actual uh, program, but it basically allows you to cross platform play, cloud save, 
and play on any on anything you want from from a PC to your Xbox. I, I don't remember what the actual program. It's I, I, I think it's part of the Xbox Live po- package, but there's some, it, it has a different name. I think it's the stream thing. It's their stream thing. I think. Yeah, it's kind of like PS Now. It's the same kind of concept. Yeah. Um. Well, you remember back in the day how the government got involved when Xbox first started. This is the original Xbox. The original Xbox came out, and the government forced Microsoft to split, um, because they said that they were monopolizing the industry. So Microsoft had to split their gaming from their computers. Seems like something that would happen. I didn't realize that that had actually occurred, but the the thing is, is they still have the cross compatibility with it. Yeah. Well, it's still like, Microsoft, but they had to split the like their divisions. I, I don't know. Uh, I'll look it up real quick, actually, because I'm actually curious. I can't remember what the reason was. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the scalping of these new systems. Yeah. So let's see. Upon the release of the pre-orders for the PlayStation 5, they were basically sold out within minutes. And where did all, all those uh, orders go? Why, back on eBay and Amazon, of course, being sold by scalpers for double the price. Yeah, that's going to, that, that only affects, um, in my opinion, people are trying to get day one stuff. If you don't care about day one stuff, then it does not matter. <laughs> They're going to release more. You know they're going to release more. Just the same thing happened with the Switch. People bought the Switch. They tried to scalp it online. And then Nintendo, like three months later, put out, like, said they were getting a whole new batch of them in and started releasing them. They're still doing that now. People are still going out and buying Switches to try to scalp them. And Nintendo just keeps selling them in stores. <laughs> well, I think the best, the best example would be with the PS2. Where- so many of them were pre-bought so that they could be sold by scalpers and then I was Sony I was actually working at Toys R Us when the PS2 released and (laughs) we used to take the pre-release like um, tickets because they would sell the tickets for $50 and then the $50 would go to your game so (laughs) we would take the tickets and sell them to people like that we knew that we get first like dibs at the copy the problem was is we'd sell them the ticket and then they still have to pay full price for the system so we were just selling paper <laughs> genius yeah it was uh <laughs> it was fun times working at toys r us um okay this is having the microsoft thing happened back in 2000 u.s federal judge ordered microsoft corporation to split into two companies today Prescribing the biggest corporate breakup since AT&T while harshly rebuking the global software giant for stifling computer age competition. Potentially monumental, the ruling of the U.S. District Judge Thomas Penfield Jackson. Jesus, why does he have like 5,000 names? Was not the last um, was not the last word in the case and that could define the limits of companies operating in a high tech company or economy. Microsoft has promised to appeal the case in which it has pressed the Justice Dis- uh, Department for in 19 states. Uh, the case could go to the U.S. Appeals Court or directly to the U.S. Supreme Court. So uh, 
Jackson, who concluded two months ago that Microsoft had violated antitrust laws, ordered the company to split into these parts. One that would oversee the Windows operating system uh, and the second that would handle all other Microsoft software, such as Word, uh, its Word program. So, yeah, that's the last one. Recommended that the company be broken up into two pieces, uh, one to own and market Windows uh, source of the company's monopoly position and the other control other software and the company's internet business. So, yeah, it forced them to split from the Windows, the Windows PC side and all other software. So the gaming side. Hold on. I thought that was because of how before before this case, Microsoft had basically a monopoly on all of its applications, including its software, so that every time you purchased it, purchased a PC, you would be exclusively stuck to Microsoft-only products. Right. That's what actually started this, because uh, that's when Gateway, Gateway and Dell were huge with their online sales and every time you bought something it would be forced onto it but this is the case that started so like you have the chromebooks now um you get you can have some computers with linux you don't have to be stuck to a microsoft operating system when you buy a computer now i wonder if they'll ever do that with macintosh (laughs) no because mac sells their own product so you literally have to buy a Mac. Microsoft does not sell their own computer. Apple does. Eh, fair enough. Yeah. So, and going back to the um, scalping thing, it actually just happened recently in Wargaming. The ninth edition was announced for Games Workshop, and they released a set called Indominus. And what happened with Indominus is you got the rule book, two starter armies with exclusive models, a... The rule book was a special edition rule book. And then you got some art and something else in the box. And people were buying them and scalping was they said it was a limited release. So what happened? After Games Workshop sold out of all of them within 15 minutes, what happened was Games Workshop then went to a print to order system. So you ordered from them that exact same box and they printed you a special copy of that box, which totally killed the scalping market. So everybody at that point who was trying to scalp, tried to turn around and resell all the stuff that they just bought. Jesus. Yeah. And then now you can still buy the Indominus box in three different versions and the rules are free. So the special edition rule book, you didn't even need. That is how you take care of a scalping problem. Oh, 100%. Like I said, Nintendo did the same thing. Nintendo was like, oh, we have a limited supply. And then literally, what, two months later, we're like, no, we're getting a huge number. Because I don't think Nintendo realized how popular Switch was going to be. Well, they were hoping that it was going to be popular, but it obviously exceeded all expectations. Oh, 100%. So, I don't, I mean, scalping... It sucks because there are people that generally want that system. But at the same time, I honestly feel like PlayStation is going to turn around by December with a whole new like truckload, like boatload of these systems. And you will have some by Christmas time. I do not think Sony's going to screw themselves to the, to the point where you have to go to a scalper to get one by Christmas. 
That's fair. So the question is, do you think that scalpers actually help the industry or do you think it harms it? I mean, it helps to show the company as far as like the demand for it, but sometimes it overhypes the demand because sometimes that product isn't good. So it'll hurt the company in thinking that they're doing really well. But at the same time, if you have a good product, I think it's a good thing. Just don't buy from the scalpers. You don't have to pay those prices if you don't want to pay those prices. You just have to be patient. Fair enough. The only things I can see scalpers causing a problem with are like the limited physical copy release of Super Mario All-Stars, the limited releases of like some of these indie titles that you can get physical copies of. Like there's a company doing limited runs of stuff. If it's a limited run and you know it's going to be a limited run, that's where I think it hurts because it'll, one, inflate the price immediately, and two, collectors are going to pay those prices. So you're just encouraging scalpers to pick up those limited edition stuff. I could see that. My issue at hand is if you're a company and you want to do something special for like an anniversary or something, but you don't want to have something on sale for ever because of that reason, you should be allowed to make a limited print run of something without everything going to shit back. And I think what you do at that point, if you want to make the money and you don't want the secondary market for that kind of stuff, you go to a print on demand system. You open up pre-orders from the company, company collects all of that money, and then they print you a copy and send you one. I could see that. That's full loan profit. You don't have to worry about a store selling the stuff. You literally get full profit from that. I could see it. Now, the funny thing is, is with stuff like the uh, Mario, with uh, the Super Mario 3D All-Stars and and the like, having that limited window where they're going to have it available is kind of rubbing people the wrong way. And I'm just kind of confused as to why that is. I don't Because that most... Because most fans would prefer to have the games available to be sold all the time rather than a limited run release. We're talking about general generally here. I know that the, the I know that the, the Mario Three All Stars is for, for a special occasion, but fans aren't seeing it that way. They're not. They they're just seeing it as it's another no. It's another game. Why shouldn't it be available? You can buy it digitally too. Like I didn't get my physical copy and I literally went and downloaded it like today. So you got really quiet out of nowhere, Lando. You're chopping bad, Orlando. Son of a bitch. <laughs> you sound like really far away. Like you it sounds like you covered your phone <laughs> and trying to talk through a pillow. No, like how about now? Is it better? A little bit. Yeah, you sound better. Oh, son of a! So, so, all right. Here, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you right there because I know where you're going with this. I, I, I get the idea of what you're, what you're aiming at. My issue at hand is, as a company, there's really no obligation for you to be selling something at infinitum. You and and a good example of that would be when they had the last anniversary All Stars collection for the Wii, or the Kirby's uh, anniversary collection. Those were limited. They only had them for a, for, a, for a period of time, 
a lot of them sold out pretty quickly. And it wasn't until they did a another print run of the Mario All-Stars for the Wii. It wasn't the special edition. It was just the game. And they sold it for like 20 bucks. But it's the, the original version of it that came with the, the soundtrack and the booklet and all that kind of stuff. That all was only sold in a small window of time, like to, like a, a month or two. You don't and even get it, booklets in the new in the new games at all. Exactly. There, they're not, there's no extra shit attached to it anyways, so why does it even fucking matter? Whatever well, they're the going to do. At the $60 price tag, you're literally paying full price for each game at $20 a game. Effectively, yes. It's $20 a game. Which, if you look at the pricing on eBay for a lot of those, that may or may not be up or down from where it's supposed to be. Now, do I think it's good that it does that that they're putting it out for that price without any extra bells and whistles and physical? Oh God, no! It's dumb as shit. There should be a booklet or a soundtrack, something physical as a, as a signifier that you've gotten something as a remembrance of this anniversary coming through. But even the twenty fifth anniversary of Super Mario All Stars did that. Agreed, and, and it changed absolutely nothing on the software nothing was changed it was simply ported from the snes to the wii and it was sold i think at what i think it was sold at full price wasn't it uh whatever the price was for that but yeah i think it was full yeah i don't know man <laughs> i thought they were gonna actually do something really cool for the 30th the 20 was it 35th anniversary yep and Re-releasing those games was cool, but I think the issue people are having is why didn't they just do an N64 um, Nintendo Online thing and just release all of those games and then just take, what was it, Galaxy and Sunshine and combined it with the other game with Bowser's Fury and made that a title instead of putting the N64 version on that. It's anybody's guess, dude. I have no idea. I, I wish they would update their retro library quicker. That's all I really want. I just if you're gonna have these retro libraries, I understand you know people are paying their monthly or like I pay the yearly for it. Um, I don't know. Like I, I feel like they need to update that faster. And even if they charge maybe a little bit more, like I'd be okay with it just to have the full library of retro. I can see your point, but considering how they're basically dripping with the NES and SNES virtual libraries, you can argue that they would be just as slow, if not slower, with an N64 one. True. Not to mention, there are already rumors that Nintendo is in pro is under the process of working on a new console. So if we're going, if they're, if they're, uh, they're going to do this now, it wouldn't be much to look forward to in the future. At least honestly, I think, I think if Nintendo releases a new system, they're going to just have a beefier version of the Switch, and that's what it's going to be. I don't think they're going to stay they're going to steer from the Switch model. Nor should they. They they did that similarly with the 3DS and new 3DS situation. I though I don't think they really gave it as much support as they probably could. 
Uh-oh. <laughs> we lost Drew. <laughs> well, shit. Well, somebody better message him. I just did. You there? Yes, sir. Ugh. At least we're catching it as it happens. Well, you literally stopped mid-sentence, and I was like, let me check this. <laughs> well, yeah, when I didn't hear any response, it's pretty much my my uh, whistle to go and check and see if uh, I have the connection anymore. And it's not like I'm getting any kind of, and it's not like I'm getting any kind of indicator either. Like my thing still says green and my ring still lights up green whenever I talk. It's like I'm talking into the, into the void. So it's kind of weird. Yeah. It's, it actually stays green for us. Yeah. That was the other yep. thing. Hold on a second. Let me see if I can find it. Anyway. Um, yeah. I don't but think. Yeah, what, 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 sorry. No, go ahead. Go go with your Nintendo things. I think we missed half of it. <laughs> so, yeah. like them doing a special edition or, or like an upgraded version of the Switch, but keeping the Switch as their main platform. They did that with the 3DS. So when they made out put out the new 3DS, it absolutely worked perfectly. And yeah, that they added some cool uh, eShop stuff for the new 3DS and a few games for the new 3DS that were kind of cool. Like the new like putting out Xenoblade on there was kind of cool. I think there was another couple of them that were. I think the new Metro, one of the new Metroid games was was only for the new 3DS. That kind of shit. So if they did something similar like that with the Switch, I could see that still working. And all they would have to do is maybe all they're going to do is probably upgrade the hardware so that it can handle a little bigger files at that point, and still be able to have people still playing the Switch as a main platform. That that was what I was going with. Yeah, hundred percent. That I mean, that's honestly the way they should go. And um, I can't like, I understand the point of the Wii. You have the motion controls. Cool. They were actually the first ones to do it. And then PlayStation fell in like fell along with it. You still don't have motion controls on the Xbox as far as I know. And then you have the Wii U, which brought the tablet. And you've literally combined years, two generations worth of, um, like technology that Nintendo's been working on into the Switch, and it's been phenomenal. I don't know. I cannot say enough about the fucking Nintendo Switch. And the, the best part is, is like, at first I sounded like the crazy zealot, and now everyone's like, I need a Switch. I need a Switch. Where can I buy a Switch? Switches are sold out everywhere. I need a Switch. And I'm like, I would have been telling you for the last three years at least, go get yourself one. It's fucking worth it. It's hard to beat. I will give you that. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of Discord, what, what was that? I was on Twitter the other day and September 18th. So this was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday <laughs> at 4.30, they go, Discord <laughs> tweets out, number one social networking app on iOS today in the US for the first time ever. Thank you, everyone, for getting us here. The comment section does not disappoint. <laughs> The first comment on there, it goes, that's crazy uh, that it is considering it doesn't fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. It was great. I was like, let me scroll through this for a second. <laughs> anyway, um, speaking of next gen stuff, have you guys seen that Hogwarts trailer? I have not. I didn't even know they were making another Harry Potter game. Yeah, it's uh, 
it looks freaking fantastic. But I think there's a now a lot of it couldn't have come at a worse time, I think, because I think there's a lot of people out there with the whole JK uh, rolling thing, like doubling down, doubling down on the transphobic shit that (laughs) this might be possibly the worst time to release a Harry Potter game. You ain't going to hear me. No, but the game looks fucking fantastic. And I'm really disappointed that, uh, that for a game that looks so good that I'm actually rethinking playing that game because of politics. She really did done fuck up, didn't she? Or you could argue that people may potentially be overreacting, but I can't say I blame them. Well, to be fair, somebody did bring it up that this book that she just released um, or is about to release, I I don't know, I really haven't looked into it, um, has been in the works since the time that she was tweeting all that transphobic garbage for the last couple of years. Like she's, obviously it makes sense to me now because like when you think somebody releases a book, like oh they released a book just like a video game oh they released a video game but in reality they've been working on it for you know months if not years yep but not something that you can just make in less than a day man i'd be fucking surprised if games could be made in less than a day no but the way those graphics look oh my god (laughs) it makes you feel like you're actually like like the people look fucking real well, I'm glad they fixed that whole P- PS1 uh, Hagrid problem that the memes have been created for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? What did I mean? Uh, apparently an entire legion of memes. You should look up PS1 Hagrid to get a general idea of the delicious memery you've missed. Okay, I think I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> he, let's just put it this way. He looks like one of the fucking... Uh, uh, twiddly D, totally dumb type characters. <laughs> yep, it is true. But uh, yeah, um, it, it like I said with 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 the whole with with all the controversy going on, I don't know how well this game is going to sell. I guess we'll just have to see. I I, I genuinely have no clue what 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 what, just, what the future holds for that franchise at all. Oh, yeah, dude, I see this. I think it's crazy that you see the Assassin's Creed Valhalla trailers with a November was it November fifteenth release date, and then the PS four or PS five is dropping November twelfth, and then right after the release of the the release date announcement, the Hogwarts game shows up with fantastic graphics. So it's like these graphics have been going and going and going. And if the low end of the graphics is going to be Assassin's Creed Valhalla, like we're in for a fucking wild ride in this next generation. Jesus Christ. This Hagrid looks like a fat version of Rasputin. (laughs) Oh my God. Always amusing to introduce someone to new memes or old memes. With a new view. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> so, I didn't really know much about this, but I'm kind of intrigued to hear about the uh, the spec requirements for um, the new Cyberpunk game. What do you got for okay, us, so, Tyler? 
All right, I'll read them out for you because um, this is this is fucking glorious. <laughs> I actually I was yeah, expecting that's... more to be honest because they've kept pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off, and we just had a new video card announced with fucking crazy like that's going to change the industry as far as graphics cards go and um i had a feeling cyberpunk was waiting for that but i thought they were going to be a lot higher than what they are but here they are the minimum system requirements for operating system 64-bit windows 7 or 64-bit windows 10 direct x 12 intel i5 3570K or AMD FX 8310, 8 gigs of memory, NVIDIA GTX 780, 3 gig, or the AMD Radeon RX 470, and 70 gigs of uh, hard drive space. Solid state drive recommended. Now, the recommended system requirements are 64-bit Windows 10, DirectX 12, the Intel i7, and the AMD Ryzen 3, 12 gigs of memory, and the NVIDIA GTX 1060, or the Radeon R9 Fury with 70 gigs solid-state drive. So priced out, um, I don't, Lando, you don't know Tony, but Drew knows Tony. I had Tony price me out a computer. If you wanted to buy a computer, specifically to play this game and you had no other computer you're not upgrading parts you're not you know you're not using old parts minus keyboard mouse and monitor you're looking at eleven hundred dollars fucking hell just for this game just for this game son of a and this is i mean these are new egg prices and this is um just being able to play it at the recommended level so um obviously you have a little bit over 12 gigs of ram uh you're using the ryzen 3 you're basically using what they recommended this includes case a cooling system and a one terabyte ssd drive so yeah (laughs) <laughs> no keyboard, mouse, or monitor, and you're looking at $1,100 <laughs> if you went out and just bought a gaming rig for this for the PC. Delightful. Say, kids, do you want to play Hogwarts? Well, fork over your rent money. No, no, no. This is not. This is Cyberpunk 2077. That's not even Hogwarts. Hogwarts is on the PlayStation. We're talking about the Cyberpunk PC release. Oh, okay. My bad. My mistake. Just which which makes me wonder, which just looking at these specs, which makes me wonder that if this game is released on a console, what these consoles are capable of. That's a fairly good question. Or if they're not as strong as you think they are, just what is going to be sacrificed for this thing to be played on consoles? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Usually you I mean the computer will always run the smoothest and will run the higher graphics but you're not going to uh PC master race Yeah, I mean that's the like it's if you want the high quality insane graphics but that's I think that's what you're sacrificing. You're not you're sacrificing the full blown like I don't know, we'll, we'll say 4K 
ultra HD bullshit for just standard definition HD. Uh, the whole 4K thing just makes my head hurt. And it's not the, not 4K itself. It's just, you've said it yourself. Nothing plays native in 4K on a television unless you spend the money on that shit or a monitor. Well, all the new TVs are all 4K Ultra HD, which I just bought one for the bedroom. And not knowing that it was 4K, it just happened to be on sale and I needed one for the bedroom. And uh, and I didn't overpay anything. It was like the Memorial Day sale. I think I paid a couple hundred dollars for it. But it's <clears throat> my cable box doesn't run 4K. So my TV was playing and all of a sudden I get a message from Comcast saying, hey, uh, you don't have a 4K box. We need to send you one. Like, what <laughs> so it's not only the tv that doesn't play it natively it's the fucking cable box that i need to watch fucking tv in 4k it it what 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 in the fuck well have you ever gone have you gone to best buy recently and just stared at what they play on the ultra 4k hd tvs and you're like no. <laughs> i was watching they had like some sort of like animal apparently anytime you promote a higher definition you have to run some animal planet bullshit on the tv and <laughs> i swear to god they had one with like i think it was like a uh, a cheetah like hunting something or like a tiger or something hunting it dude i swear to god i felt like i was looking at it at a zoo like up close and personal i was like why do i need to see this right now like i do not need to see stuff like this but that's what happened with blu-ray with me because i i bought a blu-ray player for uh Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and then I had to return the Blu-ray because I couldn't stand looking at how like goofy Blu-ray looked at the time because it was just, it just looked like unreal. Yeah, I'm uh, again, I'm one of those curmudgeonly old people who's just like, I does the game play on my my television? Will I find it enjoyable? Sweet, I don't care about the graphics. Let, let's uh, let's let's keep going. Yeah, I don't really care about graphics either, but holy shit, just some of these trailers I've been watching, I'm like, that is amazing. Unfortunately, they've been basically indoctrinating the younger generation on the importance of graphics, which is ultimately disappointing. Go ahead. I think they're pushing more graphics instead of the storytelling that I specifically my like what i look for in a game the storytelling portion it's very rare that you find a good told story well i can't say rare because i can tell you two on the playstation that i played last of us and god of war those fucking stories were amazing and i find that i'm more willing to play the nintendo franchise for the story xenoblade chronicles xenoblade chronicles 2 um breath of the wild like i'm more inclined to play nintendo franchises for their story than caring about the graphics of some of these games i would have to disagree not necessarily for the graphics but i would rather play for i'd rather play nintendo games just for the fun factor there aren't very many nintendo games that are story driven even Breath of the Wild doesn't even that have that great of a story, all things considered. But its gameplay is more than worth it. Right, but if you look at some of the other games that had the gameplay style, like Horizon Zero Dawn, 
those that story was not i mean that game was not as appealing to me as breath of the wild was you you may have a point i can't say i haven't actually played horizon zero dawn but i will say that at the very least the world looks interesting it does look beautiful i'll give it that it's a very very grindy similar style it's like you're not doing anything different you're doing the same shit over and over and over again basically you're collecting parts upgrading your armor upgrading your stats and at some point you can just instant kill everything and just sneak around the whole map so i don't know it's a very beautiful game i'll give it that but so was xenoblade chronicles x for the wii u (laughs) oh dear god i i fell for the hype on xenoblade chronicles x and i regret it so did i (laughs) i really did i was like this game's gonna be awesome i started playing it i was like what the fuck (laughs) exactly my reaction i'm like this is gonna be fucking awesome the hell am i even doing and then it took forever to find a party because no one had a wii u and you're like jesus i'm gonna go back (laughs) to playing mario kart oh man all right, we what do you, got now? You, but what the fuck, man? <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's jump back into the MTG topic we kind of started with. Um, I'll let you cover this one, Drew, because I'm just kind of like diving into this set because I'm kind of like I haven't played since I take that back. I started collecting cards for the 2020 sets and Guilds of Ravnica and some of that stuff but i feel like this zendikar is really close to the last zendikar set that came uh it is and it isn't um you're thinking of oath of the Gatewatch and uh all that kind of shit on that on that end it's um a lot of the mechanics and things from there are still in place here like landfall came back landfall is and anybody who's played mtg will know know these terms if you don't play mtg um one of the ways you cast spells or and uh put out creatures and stuff is you use lands to uh lands as the currency with which to cast spells and put it you put the you, you're allowed to put them into play once a turn when you do so if you have a card that has the ability landfall you get an extra effect when that land comes into play so that that made an appearance again um the uh kicker mechanic came back which they had in the dominaria set that came out in 2018 2017 2018 one of those and they brought that back. Um, kicker is a spell. You'll have a normal spell, and it'll have a kicker cost, which is an additional cost to the spell. And when you do that, you get an additional effect when that spell or creature comes out. Um, so you have a lot of those returning mechanics. Some very powerful uh, mythic rares that are that are are coming out in this set. Um, I I they're not doing pre-releases or any events right now because of uh, the COVID stuff going on, but. They're allowed, they allowed pre-orders and pre-sales for uh, booster boxes and uh, the pre-release packs. So I did manage to get a hold of a booster box and a pre-release pack. And uh, I was not disappointed in my polls. Uh, one of the other things that they have reinstituted, which I think that going forward they should do, because a lot of the Bushi Road uh, card games do this, is, yeah, they need to uh, keep the box topper thing in place, because uh love getting those and i love getting that with the zendikar rising uh booster box that i bought and it's any booster box so because they have two different varieties of booster box right now 
Uh, currently, the only one available is the um, the regular. They're calling them draft boosters, which is the new name for the boot, the original booster packs. Uh, they also have something they have something referred to as a set booster as well, and that's coming down the pike later. There's a breakdown on that one of the different things that you can get in it, but overall, you get the same things you would get in a regular booster pack, plus an art card, plus a chance to get uh, a card off of what they refer to as the list, which is a reprinting of a bunch of 300 odd cards uh, across Magic's history back to, um, I want to say, uh, Scourge, I think, the, the, the Onslaught block. So that's kind of cool. Is the, um, wow, they have some awesome new planeswalkers. Is that those boosters with the um, full art, uh, all rare shenanigan bullshit? Uh, yes and no. Um, the past couple of sets that came out, they had something called a VIP, uh, a VIP booster or a collector's booster. The VIP booster was um, for the double master set, which was, I'm not shitting you, a $100 booster pack. The le- the level of greed reaching that's been going on in Wizards for the past couple of uh, past year has been nothing short of insurmountable. Ever since uh, Th- uh, Throne of Eldraine came out, they had uh, collector's boosters, which they jacked those up. Those are $30 a pack, as in uh, for a booster. And even the booster box that come with it, I think only come with 12 packs in them. And... They, they you get a bunch of stuff like they have alternate borders alternate art um f- uh premium foils a bunch of silly stuff that you could get but it's all just bells and whistles on a game that didn't really need it i feel like they're tr- really really trying to reach for that uh that high roller um physical collector uh purchaser and i don't even know if those if that market exists enough for them to continue doing that stuff but with the set boosters, they're only a buck forty extra from the regular booster, so it's not nearly as bad of a, a margin. And you get then the stuff you get in there is not too bad. They really brought back the double faced cards from the um, what the hell was the name of that block? Anistrad. Yes. Yes, but they've been experimenting with that on and off since Anistrad. And yeah, these are these are lands like what? You have a double-faced land that can either be played as a plane or a swamp. Like, dude, what? The funny thing is, is they're not. You're not. You're you're only half right. They're what? You're only half right. Um, The thing with those flip lands are, is they um, they don't have any land typing because they're they're non-basic lands. So you don't get a swamp and a plains. You just get land that taps for white and land that taps for black. Oh, okay. So you can only use one or you can't essentially have one of both. Okay. So it's not so broken. And you can't, and and it sounds like you can't flip them. There's none of these have a flip mechanic like the other one. No, you choose a side when you play it. And uh, not only do they have double-sided cards that are land land, they also have, ones that are double-sided that are a creature on one side and a land on another side or a spell on one side and a land on another side and they have them in mythic uncommon and rare and they're all relatively interesting but really only the mythic ones are uh really out there and even then it's only to a point 
Like I was playing, like I was, uh, when I cracked my box, I was looking through um, a couple of the mythic ones I got. And I'm just like, this is actually pretty cool, but the land side is so negligible. I feel like they went out of their way. Like the, on the, the, land, the mythic. Go ahead. I feel like the land is for early game shit. Like, oh man, I really need this land. Let me play this now. But, like, dude, these mythics, like the blue one, the Seagate of Restoration, four man or four colorless, three blue, draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand plus one. You have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. Like, what? Yeah, it's a mythic that, and the other side is a uh, blue, is a blue land that you can have come into play untapped for three life. Which, you know, what's really interesting to me though is, um, anybody who's played the um, old World of Warcraft card game, um, this is kind of the way that me- that mechanic plays. Like, there's no way to be uh, resource screwed in the old World of Warcraft card game if, for whatever reason, you do not have a uh, a uh, mandated card that produces uh, the uh, produces the resource you need to play spells, play abilities, and play creatures. You can turn any of the cards in your hand over and put them face down on the on the battlefield and use them as a resource permanently. So like this is essentially just that but with more bells and whistles. This is I mean Jesus dude I I want to know what the prices on these cards like secondary market are right now cuz some of these are super ridiculous and I can totally see played in like EDH and Commander like uh Agadim's awakening it's uh x colorless three black return your graveyard return from your graveyard to the battlefield any number of creature cards that have that each have a different converted mana cost x or less dude you play that in zombies that would totally ruin anybody or dredge or jesus absolutely um, the average pricing on pre-order right now, because it's not officially out until next Friday, um, is uh, I think they're averaging a lot of those cards. The Mythics are anywhere between 250 to middle middle teens right now. Um, the, mo- the, the most expensive card, base card, remember, they have all of these cards, the majority of the rares and uncommons and Mythics, they also have alternate borders and alternate art versions too, and they're more expensive. But the base, the the base card printings for each of these is in the is in that uh, uh, like the ten to fifteen range for the high end mythics, and then for like the low and mid mid mythics, you're sitting at the five to ten dollar mark. Um, the most expensive card is um, an artifact, which if you look it up, you're going to you're going to crap yourself. It's ridiculous. It basically allows you to copy anything. I did see that. <laughs> it's like three copy. Uh, yeah, hold on. Where is it? Okay, so the most expensive card in the set right now. Oh, the Cavern of Souls. They're re-releasing it. It's a it's a box topper. Oh, so that's the high price. Like Flooded Strand. That's a box topper. Wooded Foothills. Strip mine. But you Ooh, can't shit. technically. And Horizon got, Canopy. What the fuck? <laughs> Why are they doing this? <laughs> to sell boxes. Do you have any idea how much... Dude, they're in the booster boxes. Every time you buy a booster box, you will get a box topper. Now this this just looks like the box toppers I'm looking at. 
Horizon Canopy is a huge, um, was a huge card for modern for a long for a while now. Yep, and uh, the the majority of the uh, the they're called expeditions. Um, the majority of the ex- new expeditions, the average pricing on those is anywhere from fifteen dollars to uh, eighty right now, uh, with uh, Cavern of Souls and scalding tarn and i think another one of the, a couple more of the fetch lands are up in the 50 to 80 dollar range and they're not even foil either by the way they're glo- they, I, I could show you the actual card because i do actually have a box topper i got a wasteland and it's gorgeous yeah i'm looking at the cards right now the the boxes got more expensive they're like 110 on oh. the low well they're expensive now because of the printing issue um, when they get to the second wave of printing and they put out more boxes, the price will drop back down. I paid 97 for my box. There it is. The litho lithoform engine is is going for 25 right now. Yeah, that's the most expensive normal card in the set right now. The second most would be the uh, the forgotten uh, like forgotten mon uh, forgotten um oh, crap what's the name of it uh, forgotten monument, which is a colorless creature powerhouse artifact card. Um, according to TCG player, uh, Omnath Locus of Creation is the next normal. Everything else is full art right now. Yeah, I still need to get an Omnath at some point. I have every version of him at the moment. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, the the, the Lithoform engine is ridiculous. Dude, Jace Borderless is pretty fire. I'm not going to lie. Holy sh- Oh, dude. Wait. So they have the double cards as Borderless too? The front and back ones? Holy shit. <laughs> dude, the only reason I get sucked into this fucking game is because of the art. I just love the art. I think you might be better served buying the art cards then because uh, the set boosters have those full arts. Uh, they're just art cards. They're not actual like playable cards. But, yeah, uh, like yeah, the ones yeah. that came in um, Modern Horizons. Yeah, I have a full set of those. I love them. They're beautiful. But yeah, it's gorgeous, I know. And that's, again, they made it more accessible to people, whereas buy, it's like, what did you do? I bought two booster boxes, and I got my, I, I, and I got my money back on both of them because of this, the box toppers alone. Dude, if you pull any of the higher-end fetch, fetch lands, that's more than half of your box price right there. And all you'd have to pull is maybe two or three more re- relatively mid-level mythics to make your money back on the box. Everything else would be gravy at that point. Scalding Tarn is going for 85. Cavern of Souls is 78. Yep. As long, yeah, you get okay. You get a Misty Rainforest, Cavern of Souls, or a Scalding Tarn, and you've basically paid for your box. Effectively. That's the level of power that you have in, with those box toppers. And there, you get one for every single box. If the store you're buying them from doesn't fuck you on it. Because that's, that's been a problem recently that I've heard of. Uh, it depends on the store. And the, the LGSs that I go to have not pulled that shit. And one of the major things is um, the rules for the VPN, the, the rules for um, the WPN um program that a lot of the lgs's are a part of if they uh they'll know in most cases they know when um somebody rips open stuff like that now though i at this point i don't know if it would actually translate over but when it comes to the buy a box promos 
they absolutely are not allowed to sell them as singles. You only can give them away as promotions when people buy booster boxes. So like I got I got my buy a box promo with that. But moreover, like when I bought my stuff, the bo- they gave me a booster box. It came with the box topper inside the box, so they'd have to cut the box open to pull the booster the 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 the, uh, um, the, the box topper out. And the box topper is strapped down with a piece of uh, paper. So if that if and and it's attached, so when you pull up on it, the uh, the liner that's holding the box topper pops out. Um, so somebody will know if it's been screwed with. You can't just go in through the side and get it without damaging the box. And we've circled back to scalpers. <laughs> well, that's, it, that's it, literally what's comes, happening. But with well, like, with that kind of stuff, it doesn't actually translate over. Like Orlando, would that kind of stuff happen with Yu Gi Oh? Oh, are you kidding me? Without a fucking doubt, man. Oh man, speaking speaking of Yu-Gi-Oh, apparently the new ban list came out and everyone's freaking out because Black Eyes, uh, Black Dragon, Red Eyes, I don't know, whatever the fucking card's called, (laughs) is not on that list. Because uh, supposedly we're getting, the, the next main set has a bunch of cards that can counter this card. So it's been about it's been out now in the OCG for about six months now. So Konami has already seen what this card can do. Gotcha. So they're already making cards to counter this bad boy. It's not going to remain invincible. I tr- trust me on it. But I think the one we're gonna have to look out for are. The new Thunder Dragon, I mean, not Thunder Dragon, uh, Arm Dragon retrains, because they're looking to be, um, at the very least, they have a lot of combo potential, especially if you're in the Thunder Dragon decks. I haven't collected since I gave you your stuff, so <laughs> it's gonna. I'm probably not gonna go any further into that, but it does sound interesting overall. See, I want to get into Yu-Gi-Oh, but the problem is, is that because they have like a full-blown like. You can use like old cards. The grand yeah, there's no set rotation, great. so any card is still available from the very beginning to to today. It's all good as long as it's not on the ban list, right? Which I feel like there's going to be some older cards that people need, and I still don't understand how to build a deck in that game. It's like to me, it's confusing, and I've played a ton of card games. It's okay, at least when it comes to the West, since you're not. For the most part, it's all about card advantage. So the the more you draw, the better off you are? Yes. That's why so many draw spells in Yu-Gi-Oh! are restricted, that they have so many different drawbacks, and why Pot of Greed will never come off the draw list, because it's a draw two spell that that doesn't require any cost. You know how in Magic the Gathering, you... Your your ability to make plays are always based on the amount of land you have available? Yeah. In Yu-Gi-Oh, there there is no such thing. As long as you can meet any other cost, you can play just about as many cards as you have in your hand. So the more so there are like so far there are like plenty of generic spells, generic cards that don't necessarily have uh costs and you can just keep playing them and that can essentially help you win the game if you want to go with that route. But that is basically it. As long as you have more cards than your opponent, as long as you can keep them from playing their cards, 
you basically have the game. Nice. I what I just need like I don't know. Maybe I need to get more involved in the group out here and try to figure it out. But obviously, <laughs> once things go back to normal, because you Drew mentioned the the pre releases, no one's really doing them, but a lot of stores are running pre release events on Arena. Um, yeah, but with Arena, there's really no. The problem with that is is you don't have a uh, there. There's no distribution issues with Arena unless somebody has a uh, difficulty um putting out a putting out an update for the actual game platform so that's one of the major things is, is like uh, it definitely is tipping towards a more digital platform when it comes to magic as a whole because of the covid situation nobody can really get together to do major gaming or tournaments unless you're doing an open air and as we climb into fall and winter that's going to become even more difficult um so yeah with arena there's no you don't have any issues with with supply you also don't have any issues with uh, a, a lot of stuff. The, there is one major issue that seems to be popping up with this set right now is um, they've done some changes to the uh, the, um, the the UI to make it um, so that you can change over your uh, greetings because you get a list of like four greetings you can use, and they removed um a couple of ones that people are using to keep people from doing slow playing but one of the other major things that they added in is if you keep doing a specific action in redundancy uh the game starts uh warning you that if you don't change your uh your course of play that the game will end in a draw and uh this happens with things that have like multiple triggers or something to that effect and uh, one of the guys i was watching on youtube actually tested it on accident, I don't think he meant for it to happen that way. Um, there's a card called Scoot Swarm that uh, has a landfall ability that says anytime you put a land into play, uh, you get a 1-1 one, one, uh, insect token. But if you have six or more lands in play, you get a copy of Scoot Swarm. So if you trigger a Scoot Swarm and you have six lands in play and you cast a bunch of like land ramp cards, you are now triggering Scoot Swarm four, five, six different times every time you do it because each individual Scoot Swarm token triggers itself in addition to every other landfall. So it's really it's wreaking havoc on the digital platform. So it's 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 an easy it's an easy one in a thousand swarm. Fucking hell! That's, that's I know. One. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I. Yeah, I've, a lot of people do complain about it, but I think people are just trying to find a way to play games with other people from their communities. And the best way to do it is online, obviously. MTGO and Arena are the preferred ways to play online. MTGO you can do with other people as long as you have like a Discord or a chatbot feature that you can attach to it. Uh, Arena, unless you're doing it on Discord and you know the person's uh, username, you're likely not going to be interacting with them too much. Um, the the thing with me, the thing for me is, is like I get so many of these goddamn code cards from uh, products and from pre-release tournaments, and my LGS my local game store just hands them out willy-nilly when they're bored on Friday night magic times. I just I end up having a stack of those damn things, and I barely go on arena for anything. I think I, I even had a secret layer that I had that came up with a code card that made it so I can change my card backs so that it looks like a specific uh, legendary creature. It's it's just insane. And I just don't give a shit about any of it. 
Yeah, I think the only game I ever really played online was Pokemon um, because I just got tired of collecting cards. And even that, I have, I don't play that anymore. That but they, more they're doing Mega Evolutions now, I think. Is that what it is? No, no, they're doing GMAX, I think. Yes. Now. Yeah, GMAX in the card game is out. Um, Mega Evolutions have, have appeared in Pokemon Go. Um, they're interesting, but not really not really wowing me at this moment. I mean, they, they have, they have a whole new currency now to be able to actually mega evolve and it's, and it's creature specific. So that's kind of annoying. You have to have yeah. mega, you have to have mega evolution stones for specific Pokemon to be able to evolve them in a, in a way, but you get a discount for that Pokemon when you, uh, evolve, the first time you mega evolve it, it goes from, I think for the starters, it's like 300 mega stones. And then after you, if you subsequently evolve it afterwards, it's like 150. And then for like the non-starters, it was 200 and then 50 for the follow-up evolutions. It just doesn't seem worth it. Yeah, that game became less and less interesting for me after release. <laughs> I mean, it was cool concept, and then they just tried doing too much. And then the, um, the Pokemon like events where you had to go to like downtown and shit, I was just like... Okay, this is way too much for just a fucking mobile game. I don't mind it, but the problem is, is with the COVID situation, it's a lot more difficult to be able to pull that shit off. There's a lot more bells and whistles and hoops you have to jump through to get a group of people together to be able to do that and still keep the six foot distancing and all that other bullshit that needs to be in place. So a lot of these events are all at home events now or local events where you can join up with people in a in a in a geographical area which good in one way is bad in another because even with the ability to do like raids and stuff at a distance your pokemon's less powerful and all these restrictions it's just like you they they made it easier to be able to work around covid but at the same time it's not nearly as effective well that's because pokemon itself is just a, it, it's a social game part of its main aspect is the social aspects of it remove that and the game becomes significantly less interesting um yeah for like the mobile version but like pokemon as a normal like now on the switch has made it easier to play the game online and to battle absolutely and it's been that way since x and y actually it's been that way even before then if you want to be technical during the black and black uh, black and white saga, that definitely had a, 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 had uh, online capabilities. It wasn't nearly as elaborate as it ended up being later, but yeah, well, it, it's, it's been that way. This they, is probably the best version. Uh, I disagree. I would say X and Y had the best. Uh, it had the easiest and the most efficient. Um, it had the most. It had the most. It had the most efficient internet system honestly the psa was just too easy to work with just pick just pick a user whether friend or a passerby and you could just interact with them with a simple trade request or a simple battle request and that was it it's become far more complicated for something like sword and shield for essentially the same thing I don't know if it's become I mean it's it had to be complicated because you needed to specifically trade with somebody at a distance you needed to have a code 
where you didn't have to on the 3ds but uh i mean i guess it's just, it's like more of like a safety feature i think they, I, i'm guessing nintendo doesn't want to get scammed because of how many little kids trade off their legendaries okay they can always just easily make it so that you can't trade legendary yeah but people don't like that because there's some people that get extras of like the legendaries to trade off to get other legendaries they don't have uh i always every time i would go to gamestop when they had a release i would get two copies of the card and put it into both of my games and have a second one and i only needed one because i was just me well that's how you play but not everybody else does that also true but i really never traded for legendaries unless i needed like specific ones and even then half the time i was getting freaking gened ones <laughs> well you also weren't using legendaries in competitive play anyways because at that point it really wasn't a, f- a function they didn't allow legendaries until what was it x and y or was that uh, uh alpha sapphire that's when you can oh, use yeah, yeah they, they still, like they still and- restrict most legendaries yeah, it's just specific ones. But even then, like, the problem is that people had to, like, real competitive players were genning their legendaries to have perfect IVs with the right moveset yep. and natures. So it's like you knew those were genned. Like, you knew they were genned, but there was no way to, to like, remove them from the game. Well, what you had to do was you had to create the filters necessary to prevent people from doing that stuff. That's why no, you always saw no. people like Verlicify being extremely cr- critical of the tournament, the TOs for a lot of those um, invitationals and the different tournaments around the country and around the world because you really needed to make sure that people weren't genning their Pokemon. And it never yeah. ended up being the case that anybody went into the legwork except for in very select situations like Japan proper where the game came from. They weren't allowing that kind of stuff to happen. Whereas in a lot of other places, it's like they turned a blind eye to it. Well, Verlicify went after Wolfie one time. and Yeah, Wolf Click. Yeah. I like the guy, but like literally the day of a tournament, he tweeted out, man, I left my 3DS at home and someone gave him a 3DS and he magically had his team. Come on. Those were Jen on the spot that day. Like, be real here. Yep. Oh, I wouldn't be shocked if they gen them that morning at the hotel. Do you think anybody? Do you think anybody's not going to have that kind of access at this point? Dude, one of the reasons why Verlicify is so critical is because genning, at least when it came to uh, Generation Six onward, it's become to the point where you can gen it and bypass the checks without a problem. Yeah, but even then, you still have to have a switch with a specific program, and it has to be cracked to do it. So a lot of these switches are end up getting locked. It doesn't matter as long as you're able to transfer them in some way, because you can still do local local trading, even if you can't do uh, uh, online trading. So all you do is just have a legitimate switch. You have your cracked switch. You use whatever PK hex or whatever they have for that. You swap, you you gen the Pokemon, you send it over to your legitimate copy with the legitimate account, and you go from there. Hell, sometimes people don't even, like, have, they don't have uh, the Switch connected to the online ever. So the cracked Switch just stays as an offline platform that people just do shit with. It's it's pretty devious, and when, when you co- contrast it to the previous generations with, like, the, the DS and the 3DS, 
it is so much it should be so much easier for these companies to be able to get the get the data necessary to be able to tell when someone is jetting a pokemon and even if they trade it up from an older platform using pokebank or poketransfer it should be something that you should be able to tell even just on its face you should be able to see what the 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 trainer name doesn't seem correct or you know a bunch of different there should be a bunch of red flags and checklists these these com- the, these companies have for these these tournaments and they don't do anything proactive in that regard and this is coming from someone who doesn't give a shit about jenning i don't care what people do with their games but when you're in a tournament situation your team should be legitimate right and that's the problem i have with people with full shiny six iv teams with correct natures i'm like dude because i'm a firm believer in breeding and you know doing it that way but at the same time, like in Sword and Shield, there are different ways of changing natures. I understand that. There's a way to do that. You can change. Um, so they still have the bottle cap system. So it's like you still have certain things that you can do, but that's just not the way I do it. And for me to go into a tournament, and this has happened multiple times with, with um, Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby, is that you go in, you see a full shiny team with shiny legendaries with six IVs, and you're like, what the hell's going on? Because the legendary on my team is not six IV. It just happens to be the one I caught, and that's what I got. I don't know. I just it's it's cheating to an extent, but if you can overcome it, but at the same time, I don't think it should be allowed. Oh, it's definitely cheating. It's it's not to an extent. It's definitely cheating because the odds of that are almost completely impossible, especially if they have shiny mythical Pokemon like the shiny Darkrai. Oh, X and Y era was so fucking full of goddamn Darkrais that I had to make a team specifically to counter Darkrai. No, but you you can have a shiny mythic. I get that. You went through the whole soft reset thing, but you do not no, get a six IV perfect nature dark eye. No, there are there are plenty of mythical Pokemon that are shiny locked, dark eye included. Right, I get that, but it's still like you see. But you see my point though. Like if you're yeah, you can't use dark in a tournament, but you can use well, you Landorus and Thunderous in them. You can get shinies of those. You can. It's possible. But you do not get perfect 6IV shinies. That's just not – it doesn't happen. Okay, maybe it, it, it can happen. There are odds to it, but it should not happen all the time. That I agree. It's not in your favor. It will never be in your favor. Well, it's supposed to be a rarity for a reason. Look, like I said, if you want to have an entire box of shiny Pokemon I, and you gend all of them, I don't care. You're just not allowed to use any of those in tournament play, as far as I'm concerned. It's supposed to, first of all, it's supposed to be a badge of honor to have a shiny at all, because that means you either did the legwork to find it, or you were lucky enough to stumble on it. Damn right. Is not included in this, because I now am sitting on, like, 20 different shinies, and I didn't fucking expect to get any of them. I just have either the best luck or the worst luck, depending on how you look at it. I would say uh, the best luck. No, because all of the shinies I keep finding in Pokemon Go are egregiously lower level. I it's like, the, the, it, it's the, ridiculous. 
well, a, a particular channel that I'm watching made me realize that uh, some people don't care about the competitive value of a shiny Pokemon. The shiny itself is enough for them. So, Well, that's perfectly fine. Like I said, the, the inherent value of a shiny is the rarity. And when you've exactly. completely bypassed when you when you bypass that and turned it into this this weird, you know, frivolous novelty, it that that's fine. But you're you shouldn't be allowed to use that in a tournament setting, especially with as Jason said, all of the bells and whistles, perfect IVs, EVs, and natures. Now now that you have ability capsules and nature nature candy to change all this shit around. That's fine, but at the same time, it's still really, really suspicious in most cases when your entire team is shiny. No one believes you did that much legwork to get a full team to do that. Especially oh, when I you agree. get people who you can... Because you can go when you, when you play somebody in a game, you can go and check their team at, before and after, and it'll tell you the name of the trainer that they got it from if it was a trade. And when you see a dot com at the end of the names of these trainers, you know that that shit's gen. We're it, 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 looking at you, Oslove.tv. Those are collector's items. Let's be real here. I have a few of those, but those are definitely collector's pieces. But I don't ever use them. I use. I literally have them to be like, "Hey, look what I got." Well, yeah, it becomes a bragging right at that point because it's because it's so it's so silly, it's so absurd yeah, it's that you have that, that shiny right now. But yeah, it, it, again. I want my shiny steel boy. But yeah, circling back around before we completely fly off the rails and into the mountain. Um, the, uh, <laughs> Zendikar, Zendikar Rising was a good set. I'm enjoying the flavor of it. Do I think it's going to be? Because also the other thing that people that you don't know about is uh, Zendikar Rising when it when it becomes officially available, it also um, <clears throat> it's also going to be a rotation. So the uh, the Ravnica sets are all dropping out, and then the previous uh, core sets dropping out. I still think that's way too many sets still up and moving to um, to be able to create decks with. But I'm I don't play in prof I don't play in uh, in pro settings. So I think for me it's more of a, I'm just tired of hearing the professional players getting so pissed off because the because the uh, fields are getting too uh, saturated with different cards. The problem ends up being is that because of distillation. The, the the same five decks are always going to win in some capacity. So you just essentially when the meta changes, you're just waiting to see what the prominent decks are. And for me, that's kind of exciting because if I have any of the cards that end up being part of the more prominent uh, meta builds, it ends up being more cards for me to get because I don't usually keep a lot of the regular cards unless they have an intrinsic value to a deck I'm playing. Playing commander means I don't really give a shit about a lot of the non-legendary cards that are out there because it's a singleton format. And if I already have a single copy of it, any extra copies I have are up for grabs. Yeah, I just, I can't bring myself to collect cards anymore. Like, I really want to. I just cannot bring myself to do it. Can't well, dude, say I blame you then. Dude, my statement to you would be jump on Arena and play that or play MTGO. It's more affordable. And it worse, it worse comes to worse, you play Arena and you don't invest any money in it and you just play for coins and you just build decks doing that you'll still get the intrinsic value of playing the game and even if you don't end up getting the cards for it i know you like the art but i know at the end of the day you just want to play the game yeah i see 
the problem is, is that like when I get into these games, like I try to go full on competitive and I hate rotation and I don't understand Yu-Gi-Oh enough to, to stay to play that game. <laughs> well, you can always play Duel Links. It It's a much smaller, it, it's a smaller version of the official game and you don't necessarily have to pay a dime just to not to play the game. Just collect the virtual cards as you build up uh, the, the virtual currency but, for it. But you don't understand. I had a taste of like the pro aspect of playing card games with L5R. And um, yeah, I miss it. <laughs> if you're trying to avoid it, I get it. But if you're re- if you're just trying to, get- there is a competitive feat. There is a competitive aspect to Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. They do have like tournaments and shit. If you were actually looking to do that. Yeah, but you still have to spend some money into that, and like I don't know. I mean, you don't have to spend a you don't have to spend a dime. There, you can build up the virtual currency, and then buy the cards with that currency without spending a dime. You're just you you just don't buy the you, you just like just like um just like in real life. Life, you're buying the booster packs and getting random cards out of it. Right. It's just um I don't know. I mean, I guess Drew can explain it more. Like I <laughs> I got invited to the invitational at Gen Con and I built this deck on my own and just literally steamrolled an entire block of L5R. <laughs> yep. Holy shit. So like I'm I'm fiending for that again and I just for some reason I can't get into that like I can't get into that with any other game anymore like I just can't like I I go all in like I did this with Magic I went all in trying to do like modern and then trying to get into just the standard rotation and dude the rotations for Magic are so fucking quick it is ridiculous. And then by the end of the rotation, I'm literally like, well, what's next? <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I just can't. I haven't gotten to that same deck building mindset that I used to be in for L5R. Well, why don't you aim? For, okay. You're, you tend to have a more money-oriented experience with that kind of stuff. So why not go for modern then? Yeah, that's, I don't know. That's more of like a net decked thing. Like, <laughs> I don't have enough cards. Like, I don't have any cards really. I just have a few like modern horizon stuffs and I have a few like other things like um, the 2020 stuff, some of the guild, the Ravnica guild stuff, but I don't have enough cards and enough knowledge of sets that have been released to jump into modern without going full blown, like almost like back in the day type stuff. It, it tends to be a uh, a bit of a headache when you when you want to jump back into that kind of stuff, or worse, over jump into a new format where there's a diff where there's a, where there's a different level of overhead. Right, exactly. And trust me, the overhead on on modern is ridiculous. So you aren't save you're saving yourself a, a headache and a half by trying to avoid that kind of shit. Yeah, it's just like I want, like I said, I want to play the game even with um, like commander. Like I wanted to build a commander deck. I started to build a commander deck. And then I just lost interest again. It's like, 
Because like you can't like there's a competitive scene to that. I get that, but it's not like even the competitive scene to that is even more expensive than fucking playing regular standard. Absolutely, and uh, I competitive EDH is something that's out of my wheelhouse, anyways. Though to be fair, competitive EDH tends to have a uh, a nice little loophole built into the format. They really don't give a shit about uh, proxying. So a lot of the cards that you would have to use to build those decks are going to be much cheaper because you can proxy most of them. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about proxying. I just need to find something I can play. I Honestly, I'll just create my own fucking card game at this point. <laughs> well, you, you're you falling into the best of luck on that. that a lot of people have. You, you're getting to the point now where a lot of that shit is absolutely aggravating to you to the point where it's like i would just want to make a game that i enjoy and hopefully someone else enjoys it too enough to play it with me and i have a bunch of people on uh, a couple of discords that i'm on who are in the same boat where they're just like i want to make a card game screw it i'm going to do it myself i want to make something that i enjoy but you, they end up falling on the same error the, the same uh hang-ups that most people do when they're creating something from from the ground up and trying to balance something that you would find interesting versus the marketability of the product itself. Or if you aren't, if and that's if you're even going to make it marketed. If you're just going to make a card game for yourself and maybe a few friends, fantastic. Then it doesn't really matter whether you make it marketable or not. As long as you and that group of friends give a shit about it, that's all that matters. But with like making digital card games like uh, Hearthstone and MTGO, you have to worry about, are you going to be able to keep everything running, server costs, that kind of stuff. It, it ends up being a major headache. Yeah, there was, I've already kind of um, started to create a game, but I don't, I'm not a game creator. Does that make sense? Yeah, you have ideas, but you don't know exactly how to incorporate them into game mechanics. Right. And I guess that's part of the process. I don't know. I actually. I have notes. I've been kind of developing like for my D and D campaign from like years ago. I still have my notes from shit 14 years ago that I'm trying to convert to fifth edition. And maybe at some point I could, I don't know, put out a book of my campaign or whatever, but it's not like, I don't think like that as far as like goals that I have. So it's like, I don't know. I need I need like that push. Or that like that little bit of like I don't know that little bit of spark like someone has to come by and like spark me to go back to that stuff. I get it, and in a lot of cases, you your 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 problem ends up being the problem that a lot of those people have too. In in the in the current environment, especially, nobody really has the motivation to go and make something at this particular juncture because no one knows where the hell we're going to be in five months, six months. A year. Yeah, from- it's not even. It's not even that. It's like you have to th- like. I want to develop something. I want it. I want it to be a certain quality, but at the same time, I'm not looking to make money on it. Like it's not. I have no drive to create a product to sell to people. Does that make sense? Yeah. Maybe that's. The- and I think that's what people need is they need that drive to sell something to somebody to get things going. That's just my opinion. <laughs> No, and I totally get that. That 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 definitely can be a problem. If you just want to make something that you enjoy, 
then do it. Avoid all of the bullshit that comes with, with trying to build a franchise and trying to make something marketable and just go for something that you would enjoy. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's what we have here. We have something that we enjoy. This is a basically a brand. This is, some, but we're not like, at the same time, we're not pushing to be profitable. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, it's, I have to be interested in what I'm doing and I have to be able to create something, especially like a card game, game wise, that other people will enjoy and that I'll enjoy at the same time. Reasonable, reasonable facsimile there. A reasonable want for what you're trying to accomplish. I, I can't argue with you, but I think I think you need to figure. I think you need to figure that out as you go. Oh, hundred percent. Write something down on paper. Jot jot out jot down ideas as you as you run across them, and if it if it pans out for you, go. The hardest thing, honestly, the hardest thing to to game creation, and I find this with even like D&D campaigns, it, it comes down to um, mechanics. And can you create fun mechanics? Can you can you create a mechanic that's different from other mechanics? I mean, D&D is different because obviously if you're compla- com- doing something for D&D, you're using their mechanics, you know, the whole licensing and everything. But I think when it comes to like card games and board games, you to to make yourself different from everyone else, you have to have your own mechanic. True, but there, a lot in a lot of cases, you end up having parallels no matter what you do. There, there, you run into the problem that everyone has when it comes to trying to create an intellectual property that has has your own flavor to it, and one and that and that ends up being that you're going to end up bumping into something that someone else has done already. You need and being able to try and differentiate your item versus that of something that could be possibly more um, commercially viable always ends up being the problem. Now, if like you said, if you're not planning on um, if you're not planning on marketing it or making it a uh, <clears throat> putting or uh, making money off of it, it doesn't matter what you do. You can you can not give a damn about anything. You can make <laughs> you can basically make you know base this. You can make a space opera the same vein as Star Wars, but you know change the names and some of the basic flavors of it, and no one will be no one will give a shit the wiser because you're not infringing on someone else's work. What you end up having to do it with that is, like you said, differentiating that from a different game. You really have to know mechanics of card games of other card games to create something that's uniquely yourself. Very true, which kind of brings up a good point. We could create, I say we, so I'm not responsible for this at all. (laughs) We can create our very own just podcast game. (laughs) And people who want to listen to us, they can play it too. And all we do is give them the files and they print out the cards. (laughs) Absolutely. You could make it that, uh, you could make it that underground if you really wanted to. You could do this as underground as the old, uh, <laughs> as the old um, <clears throat> bootleg days back when Metallica was playing in, uh, in in people's basements and shit. If you really wanted to, you can get really underground with it if that's what you really want to do. That would be that would be hilarious. We could literally start for any anybody that listens to us, anybody anybody that has any interest in it, create our own game. 
and then everyone cre- can create something to the game and add to the game and then makes it free to like everybody and then everybody can be able to play it that'd be pretty interesting <laughs> it'd be like um like what are those uh what are those uh grocery stores where like they don't make money but like the people who work there own it you mean the mom and pop shops no 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 what are they called i can't think of the name now yeah you lost me dude i don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about <laughs> Though to be fair, we've kind of stumbled into the open forum part of the uh, the podcast as it is, so this is kind of nice. What the hell are those things called? You got me, dude. I'll let you look that up, and I'll chat with Orlando. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there anything um, you're looking forward to coming out anytime soon, Orlando? Because, like, other than the new Bravely Default game, I am kind of just floating on the ether right now. Dude, you already know me at this point. Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity is a game I'm definitely looking forward to. I'm glad they fucking announced that. I think that's coming out sometime this year. Not sure. Hey, whatever works. <clears throat> but I'm, dude, I'm surprised you're not excited about Final Fantasy 16. It's coming out. Is, is it coming out for PS4 and PS5? No, I think it's coming out on the PS5. So fuck that noise. Dude, I got I think Final Fantasy 15 and I was bored with it. Fair enough. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying because you're a Final Fantasy fan, I thought that might be something you would be interested in, at the very least. Well, I'm one of those old-timey Final Fantasy fans who's waiting for yet another uh, turn-based RPG. And literally, Bravely Default is the only Enix property that I'm, I'm being afforded at this point. So I'm waiting for that. And you know what? That's fair. If they're not doing it with Final Fantasy anymore... I don't blame you if it no longer appeals to you. It's just sad. Like, every time they were doing good with Bravely Default, and you'd have a, 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 a internet personality going, how about you do more of that? They keep acting shocked. As if, wait, you guys still are around? We haven't left. We're one of your staunchest defenders in a lot of cases, and you keep putting out shit that's clearly not in our favor. So we're kind of at an impasse here, friendo. That's Wait, have we stumbled point. back into the PlayStation where we think that they're not going to double release the games like they normally do? They're not going to. They're going to release Final Fantasy 16 only to the PS5. They wouldn't make any money if they did it for the PS4. They're trying desperately to get to the next generation. Literally, yeah, that's not, they're cutting off the sense. PS4 like, they're, like a turd off a dog's ass. It makes sense, so though, because release. this is Square Enix we're talking about here, where they're these are the guys that fucking drool on graphics and if you think that they're going to sacrifice the graphics for final fantasy 16 just so it can be on the ps4 i don't know what you're being dilute i don't know what you're deluding yourself with but it certainly ain't reality you think assassin's creed will get the same treatment then ubisoft is a it's a bit different uh I think they would do it. I think they would do it, but uh, guess we'll have to wait on that. Yeah, because usually when next gen games come out, the games that were released around that time usually release on both systems. But there has been a couple occasions where that's not happened. I guess. Yeah, I guess we have to wait on that. But Square Enix definitely no. Okay, so the term I was looking for were food co-ops. Co-ops are usually consumer cooperatives where the decisions regarding the production and distribution of its food are chosen by its members. So it's like the owners 
it's like a group of people and then those people control what the whatever <laughs> it's not important <laughs> it sounds like some tree hugging hippie crap that's what it sounds like and that's exactly what it is <laughs> but still <laughs> whatever's clever but yeah um and with a lot of that with like i said before i'm i'm rapidly becoming disillusioned with the next generation of gaming to the point where unless something miraculous happens or something is patched in, I have no real interest in going any further into the next generation. I'm sure I probably have said that in a previous podcast, but it's just like the, the, uh, the presentations that have been put out for these things thus far, it's only galvanized my resolve in that, in that respect. Now, with the cheapness of that uh, that one Xbox that's supposed to be like two hundred to two ninety nine, that might do it. That might make me jump off of the PlayStation bandwagon enough. I don't know. It's not the PlayStation bandwagon. I'm on the only okay. So the only reason I bought the PS4 were for two games, God of War and Kingdom Hearts. It's the only reason I got it. I, I bought it. I got it for only one. Wait, what? I only got the PS4 for one game. What game was that? Dynasty Warriors 8 Extreme Legends Complete Edition. No, don't get me wrong. I have more PS4 games, but that was the only game I wanted for the console. Uh, everything else was just a bonus. So, so is anybody here going to get the get that new uh, special edition Game & Watch? I was honestly thinking about it. <laughs> I didn't ever I never realized that they released more of those like those gaming watches like I didn't realize it. Well, the one that they're releasing is specifically just to play two games, uh, the original Super Mario Brothers and uh, Japanese Mario 2. No, I know. And I found out about it from a YouTuber who's no longer on the partner program. (laughs) That's unfortunate. Yeah, he got kicked off and everybody else stayed on and no one can figure out why he got kicked off and nobody will talk to him. Oh, is that um uh uh wood beat 'em ups? Yes. Yep. I was there when that actually occurred because uh, Review Tech USA actually did a uh, did a a piece about it, and he was just as confused as Wolf as uh, Wood was. Yeah, I I I had a feeling. I have a feeling it's tied to his mental health stuff, and Nintendo didn't like that. Whenever somebody uses their platform outside of what they usually do there's either backlash from the from the uh the people supporting him financially uh, in one way or another whether it be the people who are consuming the product uh, as in his the the fan base patrons etc or the sponsors who are holding up their brand in one way or another and uh, i mean when it comes to mental health stuff most of the cases you generally don't get any backlash on either end because it People, people know that, uh, look, you're only human. You have human moments, and if people are wondering what's going on with you and you want to reach out to them in some meaningful capacity, you use your platform to do so. But I guess Nintendo just didn't feel like it with that, and they're just like, no, we're not going to do that, no. No, he didn't, even, he didn't even get support from Nintendo. Nintendo literally would say that, yeah, we're sending you games, but then never send them anything. Or they would come so late that... Um, he would have his own copy anyway. He was more of a Nintendo fan than he was trying to work with Nintendo. Wait, I think he sounds familiar. Uh, does this dude have long hair? Yeah, it's the beat-em-ups guy. <laughs> I can't... Sorry, maybe I don't recognize the name. 
think I actually am subscribed to him though. I thought yeah. it was cool. Yeah, he's a really cool guy, but he even said it in one of his uh, videos that he didn't he never really got support from Nintendo. Like they would never send him games and the games that he would get because he wanted physical copies instead of downloads, he would buy the games anyway. So whatever they would send him digitally, he'd have he'd buy it anyway. I knew there was going to be a problem when they changed their partner program and even getting into the original partner program was just a pain in the ass. It is what it is. Yup. All right. Did we just wind down? Cause, uh, I think we did. <laughs> yeah. I think we went through the whole litany of, uh, our, our playlist here. I think, I think we're just, I think we're just about done and we can wrap it up now. Yeah. We, we skipped the conspiracy theories for sure. But, um, yeah. So anyone who's well, the only conspiracy. Wait, what happened? I don't. I don't think we have any conspiracy theories at this point. Dude, the I Mario conspiracy theory where Mario is a dream. That's only for Mario two. Yeah, and then Mario three is a, a live action play. But yeah, that's the conspiracy theory I wanted to talk about because I literally just found out about that. I had no idea. <laughs> wow, you are you live under a rock, under some moss, under another rock. Dude, I know. Look, we, I know. We we all have our moments, okay? That's fine. Yeah, I know, Hagrid. I'm aware. Except Drew, because apparently he lives on the internet. It's not a place I'm happy to be stuck with, but here we are. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Well, if anybody out there listens to our podcast, which I I know a couple of people do because we've gotten some feedback already, um, there is a Facebook page that's starting. I will have a link for that. I think it's just Angry Wargamer. Hold on. Didn't you already? You already sent me in Orlando the links for it to like it. So yeah, I'm pretty sure you already have it out. It is already out, but I just want to make sure I have the link right. I'm literally looking this up on my laptop when I could just be doing it on my phone at like three times the speed. So it's the Angry Wargamer podcast uh, on Facebook. There will be logos and stuff coming soon. We're having logos made. So if you want and you're listening to this podcast, go like us on Facebook, comment on it. Uh, you can also follow us on uh, YouTube. It's going to be Angry Wargamer. Um, there might be two of them. One of them is my painting channel uh, where I do where I paint miniatures and stuff. And the other one will just be podcast related stuff. So if you want to listen to us on YouTube, you can do that. You can also catch us at angrywargamer.podbean.com to download the actual podcast. If you haven't clicked on a link, you can subscribe to that. It'll download the podcast and stuff. It has the RSS feed, whatever you need to do. Um, but yeah, if you guys like the idea of said cre community created card game, uh, we could definitely get things started. And I think that'd be a kind of cool idea. So, you know, spit all ideas, get stuff going. And then, um, yeah, we'll see where we go from there. And our usual uh, round off. Uh, Jay, you want to give them your uh, Twitter handle? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Obi-Wan Fat Kid um, or uh, Angry Wargamer everywhere else, Instagram, um, obviously the podcast stuff. And then AJ. WG painting if you're interested in the painting stuff that I do. Um, but if you can find me on Instagram, Angry Wargamer, and you can see that stuff too. And I am on 
Instagram and on Twitter, Punk Toast. Um, I don't my, my Facebook. I usually use for personal matters, so I don't give that out freely. Um, how about you, Orlando? You can find me at Ragnarok Knight on Twitter. There we go. Uh, and and, and our and our fourth member, uh, Phil. He is, I believe, it is the last Hexile underscore somewhere in there in uh, on Twitter. If you want to run into him, he's from the future. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys in the next episode.